He's buff, <laughs> he's his stuff, and girls can't get enough. Yeah, of charging things, apparently. <laughs> that's, yeah, they can't get enough, so that's why they're charging it. <laughs> what do you, what, what do I, what are the perks with the WCW MasterCard? Do I, can I, do I earn points that I can use to, <laughs> like, uh, you know, that I can use to get to. You get, you get double reward WCW. points when you buy supplies for your Nitro party. <laughs> you can also you get points for the WCW network. <laughs> Only for nine ninety nine. Yeah, they have to start advertising that to people that aren't wrestling fans already. Well, if they <laughs> actually put up their back catalog, that would help out a lot. Wow, I found an ECW toy commercial that I used at one point, apparently. <laughs> I, I watched that this morning. It's very weird. It's like uh, the RVD and Just Incredible are wrestling, yeah. little wrestlers, yeah. Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, yo. And then Joey Styles comes in like just the end. Yep. And- Lance Storm. <laughs> <laughs> That's so out of character with ECW. Like, yeah, Oh, yeah, it's very super weird, super weird. Actually, I think I bought like a Shane Douglas and RVD uh, toy back in the day from like a garage sale or something like that. God, Shane Douglas. I hope you regret that decision. Yeah, I don't. I think I got rid of him. Years, the years franchise. Ago. Your ass has been franchised. Yeah, he didn't get like a, a McDonald's. Of- what? <laughs> yeah, my Shane Douglas didn't get along with my Ric Flair action figure too well. <laughs> that was his. Uh, that was his finisher, wasn't it? The franchiser. Yep. Yep. I don't even remember what it was, though. It was because um, he was. A- it was something very like normal. What? A belly to belly suplex. Was it seriously a belly to belly suplex? That was his finisher. I don't. Would know it if- be belly to belly suplex? Suplex. If you're Gordon Sully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or according to Bill Murphy, the belly to belly sleeper hold. <laughs> Sleep hole. Yeah, sleep hole. Come on. He'd probably call it like, uh, like a mare, side mare. He kept calling things like side mares and stuff. <laughs> I hate it when I go to bed and then wake up having a bad side mare. <laughs> <laughs> From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, moved all over. Maine, event. Radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, Kino 210, and the Dirty Dog Dirty. Welcome back, everybody, to our last stop in Dallas. You guys know who I am. I am the Tony Giovanni of the podcast. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. This is Main Event Status Radio. Our last night. Our last day, our last stop here at Dallas, here at the Reunion Arena, and the Mike Tenet to my Tony Schiavone, Beverly Hills. How's it going, Beverly? I'm I'm good. They're ready to run me out of town, man. I was cord wrangling last week. You know, this week I'm just I'm at the corner of Reunion Arena. I'm trying to just panhandle enough money to get the Buick going, get us back to 2014. How is the red dressed man. Oh, what? Well, you know what? He kicked me out. We we had too much fun. We partied just a little too hard. I made the wrong comment about his white beard, and I'm out. At I don't. Least, he's not even my friend anymore. How's the lady treating at, you? 
at least we still have those memories because that better better with aged lady when she heard I had to go back last week into a, a Fozzie concert, she's like Fozzie the bear. And I'm like no. And then she's like get out. Wow, she's fickle. Just kicked you right out for not being Fozzie the bear, huh? What what can I say? It it broke my heart in in many a pieces. I'm still trying to find all those pieces and put back together Beverly Hills. I'm so sorry. But speaking of Fozzie, tell us about the Fozzie concert, man. It was last weekend, uh, uh, November 22nd, at Mill City Nights. It was tremendous. Okay. I have to start out by saying Beverly Hills. Towards yes. the end of the night, how else you know the band would play a set, then go off stage and hear everybody would chant, Fozzie. Fozzie, Fozzie, or whatever band you went to see, then they'd come back out, you know, and chat, chat a little bit and do, a, you know, a couple more songs. So they did, you know, Jericho and the band came back out, and, you know, Jericho uh, did pull the Triple H with his water bottle, you know, <laughs> okay. put some in, you know, then spat it out. And, do, you have some, do you have some Jericho DNA on you? I feel like that's been a goal in your life. I was standing third row for the whole concert, Jack. Do you think you got some spit on you? Right in the center too, and I got some good pictures on you know that I took and a couple of videos. <laughs> and let's just say I do not I do not think I'll be trimming my beard up anytime soon, Beverly Hills. Oh my! Because uh, I got spat on right right underneath my bottom lip and my chin hair by Chris Jericho. Oh, no. so you almost swallowed Jericho spit. Almost. Blah. I wanted if I would have vomited Beverly Hills, I would have vomited on the back of somebody's head. <laughs> awesome, and they, and that would have made their concert going experience <laughs> yes. just grand, I'm sure. But it was fun. My ears <laughs> were reading through Survivor Series the next night, which we all talk about after the first break with our guest, which yep. I was able to. Uh, when I w- went up to uh, 2014 last week, and I was able to find our guest, and I brought them along with Beverly Hills. <laughs> All right. I'm excited. But, yes, the concert was fun. I talked to you and said that we I wanted to take some time before we get our guest on to chat about my about my Fozzie experience, and it was fun. I met a, I met a cool guy at, at the concert named Adam, which uh, him and I have been uh, tweeting back and forth a little bit, yes. off and on, which is, which is cool because I think he's only been a wrestling fan, I think, for a few years, and I was wearing my Macho Man Randy Savage shirt at the concert, and he's like, oh, you're a big Macho Man Randy Savage fan? I'm like, yeah, oh, you're a wrestling fan, too? Yeah, and then we, we got a chatting before the concert between each band and, and all that, which was which was a lot of fun, so I just, I guess, wanted to talk on the podcast. I had a fun time at, at the Fozzie concert, and wanted to, uh, we talked about support your, support indie wrestling, also support your favorite bands, people. Oh yeah, right on. They're just like us. They're working hard, doing what they can to make the dollar, make the bucks, to pay their bills, just like we are. So support your favorite bands. Yep, right on. So yep, that's a well, and just as a side note, like a little, I'm gonna get on the 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 pulpit a little bit. Yeah, that's the best way that they make money. So even like if you think I'm gonna go buy stuff off iTunes or whatever. That's really not going as much to them. Go to a concert, buy buy a shirt. Yeah, cuz I th- can't remember where I heard this from, but like on iTunes, they only get like, I think even with CDs, they might yeah. get more, but I think they only get like 
of the iTunes purchase, if that. Yep. Yep. Get, go to a concert, buy a T-shirt. So yeah, support support your favorite bands, support your favorite musicians, or I guess same thing. Support indie wrestlers, in, yeah. indie wrestlers and all that. Or if you're like Beverly Hills and I, I guess more like Beverly Hills than me. If you don't like the current product of the WWE, by the yeah. network, watch all the stuff like we do because yeah. you know that's uh, that's what we enjoy doing. That's why we do this podcast once a week. Yep. Right on, brother. So Beverly Hills. What's up? Are you ready to rock out this podcast and get back <laughs> to Minnesota 2014? I'm so ready. Are you tired of David Manning? Uh, you know what? I don't know. We'll talk about David Manning. I'm not sure. I'll, I will reveal my thoughts later. Are you tired of Bill Mercer? Oh, my God. I could not be more tired of Bill Mercer. I'm so ready to have a break. I'm not, you know, he isn't even like the worst thing ever. I just need a breath of fresh air. I don't blame you. I don't blame you (laughs) because David Manning, as everybody heard last week in the episode, I love David Manning. I, I wish I would. I'm look. I'm looking forward to watching more world class to see more David Manning. Yeah. Bill Mercer, not so much. <laughs> well, maybe we can watch some later stuff that has Mark Lawrence as the commentator instead of Big Bill. I we we should Beverly Hills. <laughs> so, as a teaser, Beverly Hills. Before we go to this first break, do you think you know who these guests are? I I don't know, man. I don't know if I should reveal it or not. Well, let's. You well, you know who they are. I'll let you give the teaser before we go to our first commercial break. Oh man, um, uh, let let us just say that it's a Mongo surprise. And with that, we'll be right back after this commercial break. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. One week from tomorrow. If you want to see Austin and McMahon, give me a hell yeah. Exclusively on WWE Network. Oh, hell yeah. Hell, you can kiss my ass. The greatest conflict in WWE history reignites when the live Stone Cold Podcast comes to WWE Network. You gonna get Austin, McMahon, and that's the bottom line. Live Stone Cold Podcast. Special guest, Vince McMahon. I ain't coming to ask no lame-ass bull questions. One week from tomorrow, immediately following Raw, exclusively on WWE Network. After a hard day at the office, working up a big thirst, many professionals reach for the smooth taste of Mellow Yellow. Woo, baby, Mellow Yellow, the taste that beats Mountain Dew. And now, Mellow Yellow has pictures and all the facts on your favorite NWA wrestlers. Ric Flair, Sting, the Road Warriors, and even my pretty face. Head to your favorite store and collect all 12. Woo! Take it for Dusty Rose the American Dream. Make the Mellow Yellow move. Ladies and gentlemen. After a five-month absence, I am making my return on this monumental night. It's Survivor Series, and I can feel the excitement in the air. 
Because tonight, everything is on the line. It's Team Cena versus Team Authority. Now, if Team Cena win, the Authority will be stripped of their power. But if the Authority win, then Triple H has guaranteed that he will fire every single member of Team Cena. Except, of course, John Cena himself. Which, on the face of it, sounds like a pretty good deal for John Cena. But John, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Here it comes. You see, I think we all know just how petty and vindictive the authority are. So, John, they're going to make your life a living hell. So much so that you will wish you had been fired. But on the other hand, if in fact Team Cena defeat the authority and the authority are stripped of their power, then the authority claim that WWE will be lost without them. Now it must be Groundhog Day because authority, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. He did it twice. Yeah, but it's for the authority. It's because the WWE ever. will never be lost. WWE will positively flourish under a new era. The era of bad news Barrett. What? Thank you very much. Wait, Barrett think he's gonna be in charge? I guess. I guess when you got an English accent and got bad news, you run things. Well, I'm glad to see his back, especially after seeing his front. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. This is Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. I am the Tony Giovanni of the podcast. <laughs> and uh, as always, Mike Tanay of, of the podcast, Mr. Beverly Hills. How's it going, Beverly? If I, I, if I turn into the Skeletor that is Mike Tanay these days, I just want <laughs> you to push me off a cliff or something. I hope you can ro- rock the awesome skillet that Mike Tanay is uh, <laughs> rocking these days <laughs> all i have right now is a terrible dirty mustache that i grew for november <laughs> i <That's> love it, it. <laughs> i'm just shocked that you would refer to yourself as tony shivani well out of the podcast and i'm usually the one that <laughs> doesn't bring the historical facts like beverly hills does he's the he's the greatest podcaster in the history of the podcasting what can i say I also you guys heard the Jim Ross and the Jim Cornette of the podcast from What a Maneuver, Joel Drillin and Eric Allen. How's it going, guys? Doing uh, pretty good. Yeah, you know. doing pretty all right. I'm flattered that we get to be Jim Ross and Jim Cornette, though. <laughs> I just thought it'd be apropos to uh, bring myself down to a Tony Giovanni <laughs> while build the rest of you guys up. We're, we're not putting us all over. Not self-deprecating. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> So yeah, so wanted to uh, I'll say I wanted to get you guys on for a while since you guys were nice. Oh God, I'm excited to be here, Dirty Dog. Since you guys were <laughs> nice enough to let me guys on your guys's podcast a few weeks back. Yeah, we had fun. That was good. So yeah. I just wanted to, if by chance the listeners of Mid Event Studies Rio don't know you guys, can you guys talk about the you guys's fandom in professional wrestling and what do you guys do on your podcast? 
Well, um, it's all it's all Eric's fault, really, is what it comes <laughs> down to. Because one fateful day, I got an email from Eric saying, "Hey, man, I downloaded all of 1996 Raw and Nitro, and I feel like we should do something with this." And I was like, <laughs> "And I was like, oh, well, uh, yeah, let's do something with that. Let's, let's make a podcast." And uh, that's sort of where it where it started. So what we've been doing is. Uh, we watch uh, Raw and Nitro for every week. We started with January 1st, 1996, the Raw, the Raw Ball. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been kind of taking it from there and going week by week and watching the pay-per-views. And, um, I, like, Thunder and SmackDown are going to start pretty soon, and I don't think We're not that gonna watch those. we can take that on because that's just too damn much, but... Yeah. I don't know. We we watched episode four of SmackDown and the first one. I would advise not getting into SmackDown. <laughs> As a fan of the main event from the fourth episode of SmackDown, I would suggest maybe checking that out because that was the the night where Vince McMahon won the WWF title. Yeah. But well, as the- as much as you guys love Jeff Jarrett, he made six appearances on the fourth episode of SmackDown. Oh my god. Yeah. Why is there so much Jeff Jarrett on that episode of SmackDown? I have no clue. Every other one, you hear the and then he comes, I'm like, holy shit. Fantastic. Wow. Well, I was going to say, maybe we should check out the very first episode and then let it lie yeah. past that. Yeah, because I felt yeah. like the first episode was decent to watch just because of what the, what the main event was and some of the horrible puns in the opening promo with mankind getting excited about oh, yeah. jerking and <laughs> scratch or whatever it was talked about the promo with the rock and all that beforehand fantastic so have you guys are um are they archiving smackdown on the network or is that i think the first there's like a handful of yeah. episodes there... okay i think the I think, first i think they started when they started with that attitude era they'll probably put more up stuff, yeah, i think they started putting some on so i think they had the first so, uh, so many of 1999 up. I think the whole, you know, from August to uh, end of the year of 99, I think they have some random ones between hand then. I think they have uh, most of them since 2000, I think 2012. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, so they have like, okay, 1999 they have, yeah, like the first, they have all of what was 1999, so that started in August of 99. So they have all of that. And then... Uh, I was just curious because have, there there have been yeah, there have been periods in the the history of SmackDown where that was kind of the wrestling show, yeah. especially especially during the the brand split where like you could turn on Raw for like the crazy wrestling antics, but if you wanted to see people actually have matches, you would have to turn, tune into SmackDown. So I, I like there's there's some like classic matches that happened on SmackDown, yeah. and I was there's curious like, uh, if that stuff was being saved someplace. Th- there's a handful. There's like five from 2002. Yeah. And three from 2003, and one from 2004. So yeah. it's just like uh, none from 05, one from 06. So it's like a totally random smattering. One from 07, and then nothing. I'm, I'm sure from... it'll. It was probably like raw when they first started archiving that, where it was just a smattering of random episodes, and then they started filling it in. But yeah. that's interesting. Without without getting into into it too much, I feel like that's one of the biggest problems with the network right now is that. You have to. Oh, was that one on? Well, let's go see if that's one of the random twelve that they have up. You know, right, right. 
Well, even with Raw, they still like. I mean, it's better now, obviously, because they've done the first couple of years. But there's still uh, like there's only two from '97 and like a small handful from '98. Like they're still, you know, yeah. But yeah, I feel like they're doing a horrible job on uploading that stuff. Yeah, right. Which is annoying because then, like you know, like we're about to finish you know, 1997 on our show and get into 1998. And it's like, now, like I would have hoped that we wouldn't have to download another torrent of all the 1998 wrestling shows, but it looks like, Oh man, I love gonna... the tape transfers. Yeah. Well, I love, <laughs> well, I love them. The old if commercials. If, yeah. if there's commercials in them, I love them. If there's no commercials, then I would rather watch a good quality, you know, transfer than <laughs> a shitty, like third generation VHS. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys, how much world class have you guys watched before this episode? None. This is my first world class championship wrestling. Now, that's not true, Joe. Oh, that's right. So, we watched. Sorry, yeah, we watched that one when you were here for WrestleMania. I, I it was like Andre the Giant and somebody against King Kong Bundy and the Fabulous Freebirds. I want to say it's okay, like so, a later episode. Also, not too much then. No, not. I've seen. I've watched a few other episodes. Um, like one of the very first one. Um. It may, in fact, I may have watched the very first one that's on in the archive there. But now that they've added some like around that, I don't actually know which one it is anymore. Okay, have you guys? Or okay, Beverly Hills and I have been crapping on Bill Mercer a lot lately. <laughs> I want to get yeah. before we get into the podcast. Yeah, I want to get your guys' thoughts on Bill Mercer. He's, he's terrible. Very, he's very bad. He's at, bad. Yeah. Well, how'd you guys agree with me? I felt like I was alone in the woods. So. Being like Bill Mercer's the shits. Well, he's just, I mean, he's so monotone for one thing. Um, just the fact that he doesn't get excited about anything. Even even like Pat Summerall would occasionally raise his voice an octave. But this dude just refuses to get excited about what's happening. And just, I, I, the, the flying head mare <laughs> call yes, is one of the yes, best. Is, was, was the one that really stood out to me in, in this episode. I thought like that's one of the most basic. At least, at least when Vince McMahon uh, doesn't know um, the name of a move, he just says "what a maneuver." He, he doesn't try and act like he does know what it is. But yeah, yeah. Is, is well, there he, was wh- something else. There was something else that he kept calling the sleep hole. Like sli- yeah, the, the sleep hole. hole. The sleep <laughs> hole. That was it. <laughs> It's like, um, like my favorite call he does. <laughs> <laughs> is he worse than Michael Cole? Uh, yes, he's worse than Michael Cole. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm happy. He we might not so- be. He might not be worse than um, like Internet Mark Madden. True. True. <laughs> or uh, or or Don West. Um, you know, he's in that. He's in that tier. He's in. He's in. The, he's along with the yeah with the Don Wests and the. And the uh, Internet on Mark the, Maddens and on the, the and Kevin the, uh, Kelly level, <laughs> the Kevin Kellys and the the Mike Adamleys, he's in that strata of wrestling announcers. Oh, so late, he, late era Taz goes with that. I haven't watched. Yeah, I, that's. I believe you, but yeah. I haven't watched TNA in a good long time to know that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, 08 to now, Taz is really rough. It's, I, I would he's he's collecting a check. <laughs> so from the What a Maneuver universe, I am on the same level as Bill Mercer then, since I was compared to Kevin <laughs> Kelly on your guys' podcast. That's... <laughs> well, I always do that just to just to change that. Yeah, that's out okay, of, man. I, I had to put that jab in there and all that, so it's, I compared myself to Tony Giovanni earlier. So I, I wanted to talk to you guys about Survivor Series, because usually on, 
our podcast, we after every pay per view that we when we do a podcast, we talk about it. And the biggest sin was the man that man the man known as Sting showed up on WWE. A man called Sting. So, yeah. what's your guys' thoughts on Sting finally showing up and the pay per view in general? Sting. Uh, it was. I don't care about Sting. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, so it was, like, a lot of people thought it was super cool, and I'm glad that those people thought it was super cool, because apparently what they were doing worked, but I just, it's, like, way overdue, like, like, we're past the point where I care about that. Dude is 55 years old. Yeah, like, he's older than my dad, and, um, I mean, granted, no matter when he debuted, he'd be older than my dad, but, like, you know, if he was in his (laughs) 40s, even, you know, I'd be like, okay, like, he could probably have, like, I mean, he'll probably have an adequate match at WrestleMania or whatever. But, like, I, my thing is if they, if they, if he's on the show more than Brock Lesnar, it's going to be a bad time for everybody. Um, <laughs> like, that's pretty yeah. much where I'm at. Like, I, if they use I, him very sparingly and he only has, like, one or two matches, that'll probably be cool. Just so everybody can be like, Sting came and he did it and he worked for Vince McMahon and he was at WrestleMania. Yay, Sting. And then it's over I, and done and he doesn't wrestle anymore. Yeah, see, the biggest reason I was disappointed is because I wanted him to be the guy that never worked for Vince McMahon. Like, it, it totally made sense for me to me that he signed the Legends contract so he could be in the Hall of Fame and then he could get some money for being in the video games and stuff like that. But for him to actually show up on the show was a little bit disappointing because I just I, – I like the narrative of Sting being the guy that just didn't want to work for WWE and never did. Um, and also, it's a little less exciting for me just because Joe and I see Sting every fucking week for What a Maneuver. So it's not like for a lot of people, they haven't seen Sting. Um, well, I mean, I guess they saw him on TNA, but they haven't seen him in a, on a real wrestling show in a very, <laughs> yeah. very long time. Um, a not so subtle jab at TNA. <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, so like it, it felt big, but it's just like he's old and I – for me, like the the big story was Dolph Ziggler being just completely fucking awesome for about twenty minutes at the end of that match. Like that was the thing that had me jumping up and down and pumping my fist in the air um, just to see him fending off all the the team authority guys for so long. I just thought that was his his performance was incredible throughout the the second half of that match. What do you guys think about the Brie Bella kiss of death spot in the Divas title match? Uh, I think it indicated that AJ is is probably on her way out to join her husband. Um, I, I was totally fine with it. I whatever. I mean, I, it's I, the same spot that they did for at WrestleMania right. what two years ago or three years ago, somewhere around right. there. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Sheamus and Brian. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So I was whatever. It's fine. It you know I actually mean like. <laughs> People complained about that thing with Sheamus and Brian because we were robbed of potentially a really great match, but like, like that was sort of the catalyst for the Daniel Bryan character taking off. And so, like Joe said, though it's, the rumors seem to be that AJ is going to be out of the company soon. So I don't know that something similarly interesting could happen with that. But there, you know, there's potential for an interesting story to happen. I guess. Yeah, talking about AJ and all that, I know Joe and I talked about this a little bit before you got on, Eric. But overall thoughts on what's been said a couple nights ago, a couple days ago with uh, CM Punk and Colt Cabana's podcast. Have you guys heard much about what was said and what you guys have heard? Overall thoughts. 
Uh, so I, I mean, we talked about this before we started recording, but I have not yet listened to it. I'm probably going to listen to it at work on Monday. Um, I know that he shit talked Ryback a whole bunch, I guess, which is not surprising because Ryback's fucking terrible. Um, Melty Goldberg. Yeah, and wearing RVD's uh, trunks. Um, and and he shit talked Vince McMahon and Triple H a lot, which I thought I'd heard that Triple H was sort of on the CM Punk bus. Uh, so I don't. That's weird. That really, apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. As it turns out, but. I just see this bus in my head. That's just the front of the bus is CM Punk's face. It goes screaming down the highway. It's, it's like the it's like the cat bus from My Neighbor Totoro, except it's CM Punk. It's CM Punk. Yeah. All right. Let's get on the CM Punk bus. Um, but I, I mean, it, it, I, I guess it did a better job of breaking the internet than Kim Kardashian's ample backside. So, um, I guess like that the iTunes feed is crashed and the Stitcher feed is crashed and you can't download this podcast to save your life. But I guess there's a, there's a full length YouTube video where you can just watch it through YouTube and that's how a lot of people have been doing it. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I am, I don't, I, I haven't been paying attention. I don't really. I mean, that's what you do, right? Is that you leave the company in a huff, and then you say some mean things about the management or whatever, and then and then they hire you back like a year or two later, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. So it's it's whatever. I don't I don't really care. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't think like Ryback isn't the biggest problem with the WWE <laughs> no, <laughs> throughout the ages. Not. You know, like that's that's not really the issue. So I don't know. Fair enough. So yeah, because I want just want to get your guys. A quick opinions about it. So I know, yeah, I haven't been able to listen to it either, and I, I'm just interested to see what happens from here on out with CM Punk and WWE. And like you guys, I think, like you said, Joe, I'm sure in a few years maybe Punk will come back. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see him back. We'll see yeah. him back. Nobody, they, nobody retires from professional wrestling forever until they die. Right. Brother, brother. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sting is in the WWE right now, yep. so you know. Full um, yeah, it, yeah, it can happen eventually. And you know what? Vince Honestly, McMahon is, Vince McMahon is quick to bury a hatchet. Like, right. I mean, yeah, he talks so much shit. Yeah, he talks so much yep. shit about Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he talked so much shit about Randy Savage. He talked so much. And, and even, I mean, Randy Savage sort of came back for a video game right before, you know, and then. But then they, they did DVDs and they had some sort of agreement. They were on some sort of amicable terms i mean he buddied up with fucking he, i mean bischoff was the general manager of raw like he brett hart, hart. Will, brett, hart. brett fucking yeah. hart came back yeah so yeah yeah it's, if there's a buck to be made they'll make it yeah right and, and there you are know, the bucks thing to be is, made with cm punk when he's is, ready to come back and wrestle and they don't need cm punk right now like they are fucking stacked to the gills with really good talent on their roster right now. I feel like their their roster is better now than it's been probably since the merger Possibly with WCW. Ever. Yeah, with yeah. homegrown guys. At, at, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, dude, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Steen is going to be on NXT in oh, two weeks. Right. Like, fuck, and they've got fucking Kenta. Kenta yeah. and Kevin Steen are both Wait, wrestling I was, WWE. Yeah, I was going to say, we, you know, their, their best wrestlers might not even be on the roster. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> They have oh yeah, no NXT is a better show than Raw, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. well that's and not I, that hard to do though. Well, <laughs> well I don't know. I mean, the, the main roster is really good. They just misuse some of the guys. Like I don't know. They, it seemed like they were like going to go full steam ahead with Cesaro, and then they like balked he tapped, really bad. Tapped to Jack Swagger before the pay per view last week. Oh man, yeah. yeah, yeah, very disappointing. 
Although I will, let me say one more thing about Survivor Series. I was really excited that uh, Miz Dow and the Miz won the the tag titles, and I I, I that is the most enjoyable thing on the show at the moment. Is uh, I, lo- I love Damian Sandow just like in general. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's doing, he's doing so much with that, and that that's usually such a kiss of death that like. Like imposter gimmick or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, when you look back at some of the people who have gotten it, that's usually just like, oh, okay, this is going to die a death in three months. But look at this. He's turned it into a championship thing, yep. I think, on his own, you know? So do you guys think that Damien Sandow got slid into the Santino Morella uh, storyline kind of thing, gimmick? I mean, like, comedy guy? No, yeah. I don't think so, because I think he's a more believable in-ring talent. Yes. You know what yep. I mean? Like, yeah. like he was – his character was lost, and he sort of grabbed on to the closest thing that would accept him, which is The Miz. And I think eventually <laughs> he usurps The Miz, um, and I – you know, that I'm fine with that. Right. I mean, the obvious – right, the obvious this, – this is going to end in a, in a match between the two of them, or a feud between the two right. of them, obviously, at some point, so – but I think, yeah, no, I think he gets a good boost out of this. I think it's working out really well for him. And, and like Eric said, it's one of the best things on the show. Like, but, I mean, when you've got Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt and Cesaro and, you know, and Sandow and Miz, who I've always liked. Miz is really good. He's okay. And, um, you know, and, like, yeah, you, they don't need CM Punk. I mean, at this point, there's always the argument of, like, such and such, you know, never drew a dime or such and such. Like, the thing is that... And and there are people who certainly feel differently than I do, but I wrestling gets people in the building. If you put wrestling on the building or wrestling on the TV show, people will watch wrestling because they like wrestling. I think we're past the era of one guy carries the show and everybody pays to see one. Pay, everybody pays to see Hulk Hogan. Everybody pays to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think we're yeah. kind of past that. Like people just want to see pro wrestling. Yep. Um, I'm excited for the uh, the divas division too. Like just the the talent that they have. They need to get their crap together as far as how they their announcers treat the women's division, and that they need to not call them the divas anymore. They need to just call it the women's division or something less, something that has less um, sort of uh, like history behind it. Like the the yeah. term divas is such a loaded term that it really hurts that division. But like Paige is awesome. Like she could be wrestling Paige is anybody. Awesome. She could be wrestling. Charlotte anybody. is It'd awesome. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte um, is awesome. Becky, Paige is Becky awesome. Becky Lynch hasn't gotten a ton on NXT, but she's really good. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, even Emma's gimmick is goofy as shit. But when like when they let Emma actually wrestle, Emma's really good too. Natty can go a little bit too. Oh yeah, oh. Natty. Well, yeah, for Natty sure. I heard. Yeah. But like, I mean, they could stand to cut like. Cameron and Naomi, like when they were in the ring together for like a few minutes during that Survivor Series match, I was like, this is like fucking torture. <laughs> this is so horrible. Yeah. I mean, this makes fucking Mongo and Jarrett look like a fucking classic. Like, yeah. this is bad. If, yeah, they just, they need some actual wrestling storylines and then just to give them some time to do some 10 minute matches. And I think that that division could be legitimately one of the highlights of the show, but. We shall see if they ever actually get to that point where instead of freaking JBL and Michael Cole acting like, oh, look at these cute girls pretending to wrestle. If they could just call it like an actual wrestling match, then that would go a long ways uh, to improving that, too. So anyway, so we might as well take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back talking about Carrie versus Flair. We'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Everyone else was doing it. I didn't think it would hurt to try. 
I never thought I'd become addicted to Monday Night Jericho. I never imagined that I, like millions of others, would become a Jericho-holic. Turn off the lights! I'm still commotion! You're ruining everything! Stop the camera! Get your Jericho-holics anonymous t-shirt for only $20. Call 1-800-WCW-8661 or write to the address on your screen. Yeah, that's the way it goes in. John, John, John. July 23, Raw starts one hour earlier. Tell Auto Boys, Raw starts at 8. Got it? Back with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everybody needs to bring a date. Who says I need to lose weight? They say we're supposed to hydrate. I think he said meet us at the gate. Who you calling the cheapskate? I have to bake a cake. What kind of cake? Ooh, cake. Oh, I don't want to go to Kuwait. Hey, boss. Got your message. Kind of easier to check your prostate. The biggest night on TV is getting bigger. Raw is now three hours every Monday at 8, starting July 23rd on USA Characters Welcome. Do any of you know where the arena is? Did you fall asleep on me already, Minnesota? <laughs> we'll be all right if you don't ask me to So I hope you guys enjoyed that commercial break. I know you guys are laughing. I'm going to run right out and buy that fine product. <laughs> I don't blame you. you go I mean, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run and not walk. Sinus, uh, Christmas is for the dusty roads endorsed Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas is right around the corner, you know? Yeah, there's a, there's some great uh, Dusty Roads Mellow Yellow commercials out there, too. Yeah. Somewhere. Uh, just uh, just because you're mentioning that, I do have an unopened can of Mellow Yellow right in my hand. I might as well just open that up right now oh. because, uh, because of Dusty Roads. There you go. 
You got it right on your desk, just like the Diet Mountain Dew on the uh, the WWE announcers' tables yeah. that <laughs> mysteriously <laughs> never get open. The, <laughs> the same bottles for every pay per view for the last year and a half. The podcast is brought to you by Mel Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we talked about this a little bit before the first segment, but yeah. You, so it, with this with this show of that we watched, have you guys seen much of Carrie? Well, see Carrie before, but. What's your guys' thought of Kerry Von Erich in this episode? Uh, Since this match was based, based around Kerry versus Flair. Yeah, I, so this, this episode of the show is one match, yeah. uh, which I don't, I don't think was the, uh, the norm. But um, no. Kerry Von Erich, you know, he's not a very good promo. That's just, <laughs> just, no, he's not. Just we'll put you. that out there. Yeah, he looks sick. Yeah, um, and that little—it looked like he had the flu or something. His yeah. face was ashen, and yeah. it might have what, just been the lighting and the fact that they didn't have makeup artists or something. But he looked bad. Yeah, by by sick, do you mean high? Because I think <laughs> that might have been something too. Yeah, he got into that skunk weed. It was making his stomach turn. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I've seen some other Kerry Von Eric. I mean, he's the, this. So this match, the big match between the Texas Tornado and the Black Scorpion. Um, <laughs> my, the the first the, like the most familiarity I have with uh, Kerry Von Eric is as the Texas Tornado in WWF in the early '90s because that's when I was you know watching wrestling a lot, um, and I didn't have ac- access to any of the stuff from the South you know in my youth. So. I, he's just he's a dude like I don't <laughs> I've never seen a Kerry Von Eric match that really set the world on fire for me. No, um, the closest he came was the match with Mr. Perfect at WrestleMania six. I want to sure. say and that's just because Mr. Perfect is right. Mr. Perfect. Yeah. But even like even in this match, he's just kind of I feel like almost anybody could have been in this match with Ric Flair and it would have been, you know, watchable. But not great like like joe and i talk about um the mop test on what a maneuver a lot which is like some guys are so good that they could wrestle a mop and it would be if not a great match at least a like a passable match and rick flair is like one of the ultimate mop test guys and carrie von eric is kind of a mop so <laughs> he's an acceptable yeah. mop but yeah yeah so we might as well talk about the episode a little bit that uh bill mercer welcomes us to the show from the reunion arena <laughs> And it tells us that the NWA title match will be on the card, a rematch between Carrie and Flair. Then we yep. see this the- is this is from the Wrestling Star Wars show, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which I know we reviewed the week before. Yeah, the episode first- on the episode. Right. Yep. So yeah, because yeah. that there was a lot going on in the Star Wars. Yeah. There, including a battle royal on a pole match. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, it was like a... So here's, six... so here's what happens. Here's what happens. There was... At first off, it was awesome because there were 16 men. So kind of random there. But so the first half is a battle royal until there's three people left. Then when there's three people left, David Manning climbed the pole. So he showed us all that that's really easy to do <laughs> and hung a check up there. Then whoever of the last three could climb up and get the check won. Oh, fantastic. And the person wow. who won was the booker, and it went on after this match. Yeah. So let me break down Wrestling Star Wars 1982 really, really quickly. 
Uh, Brian D- Brian Adias beat Frank Dusick yeah. uh, yeah. in the opener. Lone Eagle beat Little Tokyo. I'm guessing that was a midget match. Yeah. Yeah. Jose Lothario and Al Madrill beat Magic Dragon and Checkmate. <laughs> uh, Michael P.S. Hayes. Wait, 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 hold on a second, Joe. Did, uh, Eric and Troy, do you guys know anything about Checkmate since you guys have watched some of this? Is that I is that like it. a... Is I that like a mid '90s like WWE gimmick where he's into chess or something? I, no, no, <laughs> no, Checkmate no, is completely different. Hilariously, okay. Checkmate. You'd think like his he wears a mask, right? You'd think it would be like a rook or something, but he's he's a cat, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> he's he's a Brit he's a British wrestler, and he's actually really good. He's probably one of their best workers on the whole show. But and he's he's pretty cool because he's like a heel and his whole thing is that he's just kind of a like a wuss. So he like curls up whenever anybody comes at him, and then when they like get bored, he rolls them up for a win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me that I, I like the checkmate. But yeah, crazy. Um, <laughs> I need to I need to seek some of that out. Uh, so Michael P.S. Hayes, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and David Von Erich beat Tom Steele, Mike, and and wait, Tom Steele and Mike and Ben Sharp to right. become the first world class six man tag team champions. Uh, let's see, world class American champion Kevin Von Erich beat King Kong Bundy via disqualification. Then there was this match. Then world-class Texas champion David Von Erich beat Bill Irwin. And then Ken Mantell won a pole battle royal. So wait, wait. The NWA World Championship match went on third to yes. last. Yeah. Yes, it did. And with this huge angle as part of it, too. It's not even, you know, <laughs> some inconsequential thing. But yeah, yep. Ken Mantell puts himself at the end, grabbing the check off the pole. God. <laughs> And then he then he cuts this promo where he's like, times have been tough, but, you know, this is going to be a great Christmas present for my family. <laughs> God. Fantastic. Yeah. It was that's, pretty not, that's nice that that's not a new thing because, um, what, Joe, what was, there was a big string where Owen Brett was champion where he was not the guy wrestling. They were having the championship match before yeah. the, uh, the main event of the pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, now the champ now the champ doesn't even come to the pay per views. So, yeah. <laughs> when you guys talk about CM Punk, right? Like in 2012, when he was champ, the first seven months, none he didn't go on last in any of the shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the first seven pay per views. So, yeah. So apparently, WCCW did uh, like I don't know, 15, 16, 17, like 21 wrestling Star Wars shows, and they were always <laughs> around holidays. Yeah. There was Independence Day wrestling Star Wars, Labor Day wrestling Star Wars, Thanksgiving wrestling hey, Star Wars. Hey, Joe. And, yeah. I don't know if you know this about the late 70s and the early 80s, but Star Wars was pretty popular back then. <laughs> That's uh, Judging by the reaction to that teaser trailer, it's pretty popular right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they did them from 1981 to 1987. They did wrestling Star Wars. Like... Uh yeah okay anyways sorry about that no, that's, um that's completely fine so we talked about that last week too that we found found that pretty silly that this title match wasn't <laughs> the last match in the Star Wars event yeah so yeah, and there wasn't even it wasn't even like a lightsaber on a pole match <laughs> <laughs> that would this be, is that would be looking at 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, if it had been WCW, they would have made a giant, like, <laughs> a giant um, Death Big Star-shaped cage <laughs> to put put down over the top of the ring for the guys to wrestle in. Shockmaster would have came out in a Stormtrooper helmet. Just everything <laughs> would have been going on. <laughs> So yeah, after yep. Bill Mercer welcomes us to the show, we get the classic WCCW intro and all that, and saying that tonight's card will be for the NWA title match with Champion Flair versus Challenger Kerry Von Erich. I love I love that WCCW uh, music. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. dun. yeah, it's great stuff. Great great early eighties stock music. You don't hear enough timpani in <laughs> in professional music. wrestling these days. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then we get a uh, highlight package of uh, Carrie and Carrie and Flair from earlier in the year that they fought in a what best of three two out of three falls match. Mm-hmm. It's long. Like they show, they must show like ten percent of the match in that that promo package. <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, it's built around this Alfred Neely guy, who I've never heard of. This ref, but he what did he do? D- he DQ'd <laughs> Carrie. And then he double DQ'd them both at the end for what I called was fighting too hard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, which sets up the screw job for tonight. <laughs> but mm-hmm. next, comments. From Carrie and Flair. It's on the screen. Next, comments. <laughs> yeah. There was a yep. dude, by the way, in that whole review package, there was a dude in the front row in a shirt that just said Pinball Wizard. Oh, yes. I wrote that, too. that was an awesome shirt. Pinball Wizard. Really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I mean, and this is the time where, like, I think most people. Again, I don't like. It's hard to say like how smart the audience was, quote unquote, and you know whatever. But like, you know, you feel like the audience had to know the hometown boy was was almost certainly not going to beat the NWA World Champion. Um, you know, it's it's always going to be a DQ or a you know uh, some kind of dusty finish or you know something. So, um, yeah. So yeah, we've got comments from Kerry Von Erich, and he's he's ready. Yeah, he, he looks like he's on horse tranquilizers. <laughs> Knowing the Von Erich family, he probably was on horse tranquilizers. Uh, yeah, not till later after he had his foot amputated, I guess. Yeah, this is pre foot amputation, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the timeline of the foot amputation. Right? I assume a few years before, but I could be wrong too on that. Well, let's let's find out. Woohoo, internet! Yeah, yeah. My favorite so, horse tranquilizer story is a few years later when he is when he does win the title from Flair. Flair said that they had to pull him out of the horse barn because it was at like the fairgrounds. Uh, he was so tripped out that he was laying in the horse stall just like out of his mind so that he could come to the ring and win the title yeah that the, the whole von Erich saga is yeah it's very sad and also kind of funny sometimes, sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah tragedy what is it tragedy in time equals comedy i guess that's kind of where we're at with a lot of that stuff but yeah that's a good way to put it um, I really, and then, yeah, they, they do carries and then Flair gets on the mic and I, 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 every time I see like Ric Flair, like pre like mid to early nineties when he's super calm and composed for most of his promos, it always weirds me out a little bit because most of what I know of Ric Flair is just like Ric Flair going totally bonkers every time he gets in front of a microphone. 
So yeah, this is still a good promo though. Like it was like yeah, Ric Flair good. does Jake Roberts. Like yeah, he was as good as you know. I did mention totally that relaxed Flair, and I did mention that Flair said that the Vinerick family put themselves in a do or die situation. Yeah, I liked that. And then I like that, yeah, two men are walking into the cage, one man is walking out like that. Diamonds are forever, uh, and so is Ric Flair. Woo! woo. <laughs> um, <laughs> night, uh, June 4th, 1986 was the uh, motorcycle accident. Okay, so wow! So years this after is, this. That this was a pretty... lot later than I thought. Yeah. But whatever. So yeah, then yeah, though we had a like like you guys said that we had an interview with Flair, a pre-taped interview. Then we go to another commercial with says coming up World Heavyweight, Heavyweight Championship with the NWA title belt on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Which touched my heart. <laughs> <laughs> then we yeah, so definitely... weird, like the production values of these shows is so yeah. bad, and I don't and and this is so this happened. I was when this match uh, happened. Because what was the date? Did this actually was this on Christmas? Uh, that Christmas this Day, happened? It was on Christmas. Yeah, Christmas okay, Day. I was literally fifteen days old when this match happened. <laughs> three months. I was about three months old. So I don't have any memory of like, like the first wrestling I ever watched was WWF, and the production values were so much better. Right, and even yeah. watching like, um, you know, when I would go back and watch the AWA stuff on ESPN Classic. That the production value on that stuff is so much higher than it is on these shows that I'm just like, wow, this is like fucking prehistoric. Like production values are such garbage on this. Yeah, I, it's not too far away from like mid to late seventies sporting events. Yeah, you know? well, I don't, I don't watch a lot of archival tapes of like mid to late. I watch 70s the NFL films events. stuff. Come on. No, I watch like Great. the only stuff like that that I watch is like the thirty for thirty stuff. Yes, where they yeah. all look like where they all look like they've spent like the entire Saturday night drinking and smoking, <laughs> and they're all like hungover, and all the football players are yeah, it's it's great. Some great looking <laughs> human beings in the old it's NFL. Just hair, just hair everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next, I know yeah, we've been watching a few WCCW episodes leading up to this to kind of understand the storylines and all that and. Yeah, each time they go to a commercial, most of the times they show like a still frame or slow mo video and have like a PowerPoint slide up with the cheesy eighties eighties graphics up there. Yeah. And for me I really liked it since well, this is eighty two, so this would have been a few years before I was born, but it helps at least, you know, looking back at it in twenty fourteen to know kind of what's going on and who's who. Yeah. So at least for me that's nice, even though the like you guys said the graphics and such was pretty corny and pretty eighties like. Yeah, it's not it's not that far behind where WCW was in nineteen ninety seven though. True. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's yeah. no slim gems though. Um, no, that's true. Uh, it's, it's not far from like the diamond plate and flames of like eighty <laughs> six, right? Yeah, or just yeah, yeah the the uh, the road wild and spe- specifically had some really special intro graphics as the dudes would come down to the ring and there would be like this totally static motorcycle graphic that would slide across the screen and then wipe in the guy's name. Yeah, there's some pretty some pretty special stuff going on back then. Oh, talk about yeah. graphics and slim gems. I found a few, I found a few weeks ago. <laughs> I want to see where this is going. I found a few weeks ago on YouTube a slim jim commercial with. The yeah. Ultimate Warrior. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yep. I did not know Ultimate Warrior ever did a Slim Jim commercial, and I marked out for that commercial. 
<laughs> I it 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 has a soft spot in my heart. I'm still just flirt from talking about graphics and slim chips. I'm so, I'm sorry I had to mention that. Um I also I really um going back to the show a little bit. I really like the old NWA World Heavyweight yeah. Champion belt. The belt is just really cool. The with the you know, like the the big gold plates with the uh, the steel painted flag icons from Canada and Australia and you know Mexico and Japan. I think are on the other side. It's just it's a great looking wrestling belt. So that uh, belt, I wrestled on a show with AJ Styles uh, at one point many years ago when he was the holder of that of that belt. Oh, um, and it's like because that was when NWA TNA. You know, when they were together, connection yeah. was yeah, and so he was the NWA champion, and he had that belt, and it was just I, it, like for me, it was just really impressive to see that. I, I thought it was cool that they still used that belt um, in TNA. That was one of the cool, one of one of the few things I thought was yeah. cool about TNA. Um, <laughs> but just to sort of see that belt and and like that was uh, pretty intense for me personally, just to be like, wow, that's like that's the NWA. Fucking bad. I'm sure it's not the same belt that Flair ha- is wearing. Yeah, in this, this show, the one like, on this show was retired in 1986. But there's something the I think the newer one is shinier. Yeah, yeah. But you know, same still, idea. Yeah. So. I want to get your guys' thoughts on Flair and Kerry walking out through the crowd to the to the cage. That was pretty cool. I I I really miss. Um, entrance music though whenever I watch stuff like yeah. it sounded like Harry that. had some but it was really hard to hear yeah well, he, played over the loudspeakers. you guys you're kind of more musical oriented than I am when did Tom Sawyer by Rush come out that wasn't out yet was it uh it would have been out in 1981 82 I think okay well yeah, because like you notice, they they always call him the modern day warrior. He always came out to Sawyer, <laughs> so I don't know if he, you know, if that would have been playing or not. I'm not mm. sure. A- Eighty one, it came out, so I was okay. Close. So that might have been his entrance music at the time. That would have maybe was dubbed out. I'm not that's sure. That's a that's some badass. Oh yeah, that's right. Because this is like back when back before the the record labels were paying attention to professional yeah. wrestling just straight up ripping off all the music for the entrance themes just yeah it's yeah. just using it at will cuz uh like they had the the freebirds had freebird and yeah. stuff like that right uh-huh i know Beverly and I were talking about it before you guys came on but do you guys notice what was on the back of Carrie's robe. <laughs> yeah, I, I posed that question. It's just like this white bird. I'm like, is it a dove? Is it a seagull? It looked almost like he, perhaps it's a pigeon. I don't know. He had like this connection to Noah. It was like the the white dove with the branch in its mouth. I don't know. I was thinking that maybe Carrie. <laughs> oh, it's just like this is a weird thing. <laughs> maybe, I was thinking maybe Carrie is the fashion plate for American Eagle. No, it is. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I also want to get your guys' I, thoughts on the <laughs> very, very short cage that was used for this match. The cage is teeny tiny. Wait. Also, before we get to that, yeah. in between, in between him coming out with the bird on his back and getting to the ring, 
Like I, I feel like the women in in Dallas just like they all panties were flooded oh uh, when yes. Carrie Von Eric entered the area. Like I thought those women were gonna rip the robe off and just devour him. him. Yeah, they, like they had, right then they, and there. They were all held back by this like cop straight out of like a 70s movie he's got like this huge cigar in his mouth yeah he's one of the extras from dirty harry yeah yeah that was was, i was like whoa what is this This guy walked off central casting into the sportator the reunion arena here yeah um yeah the small cage really bothered me since it seemed like it wasn't much taller than both the competitors. It barely was. You're yeah. right. Yeah, it's like it's like they just got a fence, <laughs> like <laughs> that would go around like a like a schoolyard and yeah. just like yeah. put it around the ring. We're we're spoiled because cages keep getting bigger all the time. True. Yeah. It, it, like there is an evolution of wrestling cages from this little one that just sort of barely surrounds the ring to the big blue bars in the early WWF uh, WrestleMania era to the hell in the cell to the elimination chamber. Eventually, I guess they're going to have to go back to the doomsday style cage um, because that's the only place to go from here, I guess. Right. If you go elimination chamber, you just have to start stacking shape cages on top of cages again. <laughs> yeah. Just as long as they go back to the one from like eighty six or eighty seven in that match with like Jimmy Garvin versus the Varsity Club, that's a stacked cage and triple cage. Yeah, it legitimately looks like it's gonna just tip over. Well, the Tower of Doom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You guys need to check that one. It's from I think it's from Starcade like eighty. That's the that was the one for for Baby Doll or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Baby Doll's Love or whatever. Yeah, it is, and and they're climbing like. Just household ladders, like <laughs> cage. That I'm whenever I see it, I'm just like, man, they're lucky that this thing didn't just fall right over. <laughs> I want to give you guys his thoughts on Michael Hayes coming in after Carrie and Flair. Yeah, I wasn't really like totally like. <laughs> so I, I wrote down that he's the guest enforcer. But because that's like the best way, but they kept saying he's like a, he's like a second referee. Yeah, like, he, why would you just have him be the guest referee? Right. Well, instead of having two referees. Yeah. Well, we've seen world class has done this a few times where they have two refs in the ring. So, yeah, cause yeah, we, we, the you know, episode that we reviewed, the episode yeah. we, we reviewed last week for the six man titles, they actually had two referees in the ring for that match. Yeah. Hmm. And I don't know why. I'll I just I, kind of crowd the ring, but yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can have a ref that's just wearing jeans and no shirt, I'm all I'm in favor of that though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stonewash yeah. jeans, some white Nikes, and that's it. Yep. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So um, when, when Hayes got in the ring, he grabbed the mic, saying that uh, his, he brought his friend Terry Gorio to make sure nobody escapes the cage. Right to be the yep. gate the gatekeeper. The, the gatekeeper. Does that make Does that make Michael Hayes the key master? Yes. the uh the announcer talks a lot about how even though they're in the cage they still have to maintain the rules of professional wrestling which i thought is the whole point of like i guess we've just been trained in modern wrestling that once the cage is around the ring that you kind of throw out most of the rules but i guess that the the whole point of the cage was just so that 
Ric Flair couldn't get away or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what the if you're if you're still going to maintain like they even they do like rope breaks and stuff like that. I mean, if you're going to maintain that those rules, then the cage seems kind of um, unnecessary. But right, and and even later, Mercer is like, it's a no disqualification match. Well. Okay, well, people got disqualified, so I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, even back in 1982, they didn't give a crap about the uh, the rules of professional wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Doesn't anybody care about the rules of professional wrestling anymore? No. No. They never did. Fair enough. Wait, wait, what rules? (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, you know, there's a call in this match that really fucking... Rank with me, so we'll get to it later. <laughs> okay. it's, oh, I can't wait. it's like at the end of the match, so okay, all right, okay. So, yeah, so I don't know, it begins just to because really back and forth. I I did note that uh, Bill says that Rick claims himself as the most beautiful wrestler in the world, <laughs> <laughs> which is a weird thing if you're yeah. Ric Flair, um, because he's not a very attractive, I mean, he's not an ugly dude, but. I definitely wouldn't. Uh, most beautiful. <laughs> yeah, most beautiful is not a not what I would use to describe Ric Flair. <laughs> it's his hair, Joe. It just it stuns you and sort of um, keeps you from noticing his craggy, angular face <laughs> and his jacked up teeth. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, it, so I want to just talk about the the two refs thing. I know you guys mentioned that. Um, one of the previous matches that you'd watch, they did two refs too. But I, it was weird. But I was also okay with it. Sometimes the biggest problem was just that Hayes couldn't get the hell out of the way. Like, got, yeah. like both Flair and Kerry uh, Von Erich had to stop themselves short a couple of times of being like thrown into the corner or whatever because Hayes was in the way. But it was, it was kind of woman stuff and. Yeah, it was, but it was kind of interesting to have sort of an extra thing to look at. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if, um, I would recommend trying it again at some point, but it was just kind of, it was just weird. I enjoyed it just because it was something I had never seen before. Sure. Yeah. Well, I like the dynamic of like David Manning just being normal and Hayes just going ape. Yeah. Throwing people around and David Manning trying to be like, calm down, just just separate them, whatever. That was cool. Yeah, it seemed like Hayes was in there just to be an agent of chaos. <laughs> right. He wasn't really he's maintaining the, he's order. He's the Joker of WCCW. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't Actually, really maintaining he's order. Way to put it. <laughs> he is kind of that in the storylines and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I have where Bill calls when when carrie elbows uh flair bill mercer goes oh and a nice knee drop to the throat <laughs> there <laughs> um so are the uh are the ropes always that loose in wccw because at one point carrie tries to get on top of the top rope and it just <laughs> yeah. sags all the way down to the bottom That's rope right and then he kind of stumbles off of it i did notice that yeah i don't know I guess we haven't really. They don't do a lot of top rope stuff. Though, no, they never. I guess, seem... You know what? They usually they're tighter because they have the spoiler, who is one of the guys who kind of trained the Undertaker and gave him the rope walk move. So he does the rope walk too, and he didn't. He definitely didn't sag as much when he was doing it. And okay. the weeks that we've watched so far, it has never been that bad. Yeah. Right. All right. Right. So. so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's like we all know. 
when the yeah, opening bell went, went off, the smoke, yeah, Kerry went after Flair right away and tried to back him in the corner, and yeah, Kerry also followed him, and Flair was jaw-jacking him, and the whole <laughs> the whole shebang that Flair is well-known for. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, even the yeah the ropes are so loose. Even like Irish whips and stuff look freaking weird. They're basically bouncing off the outside of the cage or the inside of the cage. Uh-huh. Yeah, which at that rate uh, with that cage, it looks like you're just gonna fly through it. <laughs> yeah, don't hit it too hard, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why Tori, That's why Gordy was outside the ring just to hold the cage up. He probably could. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, yeah, that they just go back and forth, and uh, Mike P- Hayes just keeps getting more and more into it, keeps getting worked up. Um, Gets more and more frustrated when, when like Flair would shove him off and push him back and disregard his uh, rope break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you man, he was all about the rope breaks. <laughs> I feel like in the back they're just like, okay, Michael, you're the rope break ref. Make sure they're not in the ropes because they're really loose and they might fall down. <laughs> yeah, Bill. Yeah, they, they yeah they go back and forth so much that Bill Mercer says that the tides in this match are flowing like the ocean. <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it was it was beautiful and poetic. Um, I think I think Mercer kind of uh, fancies himself as this like poet laureate of. <laughs> professional wrestling yep and he's gonna just like oh the people they're just gonna say hmm bill mercer you got it (laughs) (laughs) i know i did one of the notes i took from mercer was when carrie had flared in the sleeper hold and mercer said you mean the sleep hold yeah they call him the master of the (laughs) sleep hold come on (laughs) yep no doubt about it um, I think it was around that time in my notes where I mentioned it looks like it, anybody else noticed that it looks like Carrie Von Eric is wearing tidy whiteies underneath his his tights because <laughs> they start like poking through the bottom. <laughs> he's, he's at least wearing two layers. I don't know what the bottom layer is, but I thought that was kind of weird. I I didn't notice his, but I did notice Michael Hayes's yellow tidy whiteies. <laughs> <laughs> He was just casual, casual, laid-back ref mode. <laughs> it's all about um, <laughs> God. So at some point, Flair sprung a leak because he is just, just <laughs> bleeding. He looks like he looks like the Frankenstein monster. Ric Flair does. <laughs> I hate the Frankenstein monster, which is which is weird to me because I don't really ever recall there being a time uh, when the Frankenstein monster was gushing blood from its forehead. <laughs> but sure, why not? <laughs> It's all about the poetry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein monster line. Flair's, Flair's knees locked up, and he couldn't. He was walking in a really stiff manner, and he was suddenly had this terror. He had a horrible fear of fire. That's <laughs> Gordy's got a torch outside the ring. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and and at some point, just to, he just wants to get out of there, so he's trying to escape the cage. But Carrie pulls his uh, trunks off to keep him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, another another great Bill Mercer call is that um, 
<clears throat> like not too long after that, uh, Flair eventually gets the upper hand and he gets uh, gets Carrie Von Eric into the figure four. Yes, and Carrie is working really hard to you know flip the flip the figure four over, which as we all know reverses the uh, leverage so that the person that initiated the figure four is now the one feeling the. Uh, taking the brunt of the pain and when he does that bill just keeps calling it as if rick flair is hurting carrie von eric's legs he just straight <laughs> up does not realize that it's supposed to have flipped the leverage so that now flair is the one in pain it's it's a uh, totally great and it's also it's like a, it is it especially um <clears throat> pardon me it accentuates it because the crowd goes bonkers when <laughs> when he flips the figure four but bill just keeps on talking over it as if flair is uh in control when you've got your lines you just keep with it <laughs> i guess so yeah the crowd work change what you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they just—he just doesn't. He isn't like just totally clueless about the the basics of uh, professional wrestling. Well, at least you know you guys uh, haven't seen the other ones. At least he knows who's in this match. Uh, <laughs> frequently, he's calling people other names. He isn't quite sure who's in. You know, that's so you got lucky in that regard. Yeah, the six man tag title match that we watched for last week, yeah. Mercer was confused on who was who, and which got me confused on which guy was which on the heel side. <laughs> championship match. He doesn't know who's in there. Yeah. He's, well, I mean, there's only two guys in this match, so that probably helps. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, yeah, I don't know. So then we get to the, the big moment with the claw. No. Carrie finally gets Flair into the claw. What's Flair just happening? like hops off the yeah. he hops off the top turnbuckle directly into the claw. Like there's no, <laughs> it doesn't even look like he's trying to do like a double axe handle or anything. He just hops, just hops down right into the claw. That's part of the power of the claws that it's magnetic for human skulls. <laughs> so if you can get your yep. fingers into the right position, it's like a. Like it's like a like an like an Eastern mysticism thing where if you get your fingers in just the right position, the, like the nearest skull just gets sucked right into your hand. That's why it's so hard to get it off. Yeah, okay, like Dave, David Manning and Michael Hayes are just lucky they didn't put their ha- head in front of the claw, or else they'd have it on. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. He has to be careful when he's fighting outside the ring too, or just some random audience member gets it. <laughs> I can't stop the claw. The claw has a mind of its own. Yeah. yeah. Has his own gravitational pull. <laughs> yeah, his Carrie Von Eric's hands are so big they have their own. They're like a tiny planet. <laughs> so he keeps. So he keeps the claw, on and uh, I don't know. So, so I guess like the main turning point here is whether Flair's foot. Okay, this is this is this is that call that really bothered me. Oh, yes, go this for is, it. This is this is. So bad because it not only is it like mentioned, but it like turns into like the crux of this whole thing. So Flair's foot very clearly touches the rope and Hayes calls for a break because Flair's foot touched the rope. And the actual referee uh, is is saying that, no, it that doesn't count. And <laughs> And and Bill Mercer is like falling over himself trying to justify why it's not a rope break, even though it very clearly is a rope break. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, "Well, he just grazed it, and that you know that's <laughs> not that doesn't count." And I'm like, "He touched the rope. Like it's a rope break if you touch the rope. <laughs> that's how that works." 
but they're degrees, you see. And it, yeah, it's apparently. It's and oh. so it turns into this like huge thing. Like the like even after the match, like that's what they're talking about. Is like, well, did Flair really? And and what's what's terrible about it is it makes Carrie Von Eric looks like look like shit because it's like you know, well, you should have won because the ref should have made a worse call than he you know should have made. If the ref had made the incorrect call, then Carrie Von Eric would have won. Yeah, you know, and that's like. Not how you generate sympathy for a baby face. Exactly. I mentioned before on the podcast with previous episodes that we watch of WCW, I wish Jesse Ventura would have been on the color booth with Bull Mercer <laughs> during this match. So I mentioned <laughs> before that stupid. Yeah, so I would have. I don't. I mentioned before that Ventura would have called it as he saw it. Like, it would have got after Mercer for that. Yeah. 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 And so my and you know you're talking about the magnetism or like the gravitational <laughs> pull of the claw when Michael is trying to pull Carrie's hand off of Flair's head. It's like mm-hmm. it is because he's like ah, and he's got to like put his foot into his back to like pull him <laughs> off. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, I mean, at this point, the match just kind of totally falls apart. Um, right. And it just, like, I don't, it's hard to really get a handle on what the story of the whole match was. Because, so yeah, he's supposed to break the hole, then he doesn't. And then, yeah, Hayes goes crazy, and he knocks Carrie Von Eric down, or he knocks Flair down. Yep. And then he wants Carrie Von Eric to pin Flair, and he refuses because he's the good guy. And then he just gets mad and leaves. (laughs) He's like, fuck it, man, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I wrote. I wrote down. Michael is over Carrie and tries to leave. He, he yeah. just, just he he like throws his hands up and whatever. Well, if you don't want my help, I'm out of here. But then then the big moment happens. Carrie sticks his head in the door and Terry bangs the door shut on his head. And I thought that looked awesome. Yeah, that yeah. actually that that looked really good. Next, I was surprised the match didn't end quicker than quicker after that spot than what it did. Yeah, yeah well, it, go ahead. No, sorry, right, go ahead. I I guess I had the memory. I don't know if I've seen this before or something. I was of the memory that like this was at the end and it was done, like after the head thing. But it goes on for a good, I don't know, almost like five minutes after it. Yeah. Well, it's because the people that are booking this don't know how concussions work. Right. It's like a delayed concussion effect where Carrie, he's fine to go for another five minutes and all of a sudden all the symptoms hit him at once and then he yes. passes out. Yes. Um, he's got the glassy eyes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a, it like it was so weird. It's such a weird like non finish. Like it's yeah. like it, he hits the discus punch, which the crowd goes fucking mental. The swinging for discus punch. I'm sorry, like, very sorry. Yeah. Uh, and also, then he just, also like, falls flying, over. And it's like, also a flying headmare. <clears throat> yes. The flying headmare is before the discus punch, though. Yes. Yeah. Swinging discus punch. Sorry. Flair, um, Flair puts the flying headmare on Carrie yes, Von Eric. And Carrie then, Von Eric. Yeah. Yeah, and then, like, so Von Eric hits his big, you know, one of his finishing moves and then just kind of, like, falls over and the ref calls the match. I'm like, but okay. Even though was... Flair is also passed out. Yeah, yeah. right, right. So yeah, the end of the match came yeah when David Manning awarded Ric Flair the match because of a stoppage. So yeah, yeah still the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. 
the and then the doctor who apparently is like an Olympic gold medalist. Did you check? Like he's got this chain that the, has this gold medallion on it. It's like three <laughs> inches wide. He comes in and checks out Carrie as we're you know wrapping it up here. He won that at the dot. He won that at the Doctor Olympics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then, they, then the Von Erich brothers came in and were all frustrated because of Carrie's injury and all that fun stuff and not winning the title. Yeah. Then David grabbed a mic saying, yelling out, Gordy, Hayes, I see what you guys got. You gave my family for Christmas. And then just <laughs> does, does he like, do they censor him out saying something? Because it's like. I see what you've given my family for Christmas, and then it's nothing. Did he say shit, or what did he say? I don't know, because yeah, that's all I got <laughs> wrote down for what David said. Yeah. yeah. No, that's all he says, but it, it oh, seems yeah. like he left uh, something hanging. Um, it seemed like there should have been more to that. Yeah. I know a yeah. line that Mercer said that pissed me off, because <laughs> Manning gave Flair the win. Mercer was saying that Carey is still considered the uncrowned world heavyweight champion. <laughs> How is he still considered when he lost the match? He should have. He should have won. I guess the the idea is that um, he should have won when he had the claw locked in, and he got. He, I mean, so in the previous match, the one that they show the pre the promo package for, like the double DQ thing, is total bullshit. So I think that's what he's yeah. referring to, right? But. And this match, uh, I don't even know, man. The the whole end of this match is such a mess. It's it definitely yeah, it's like if this is fun. yeah, like this is considered not maybe a high end classic, but definitely a, a classic of that era. And it's just it makes you appreciate um, when WWE goes full clusterfuck. It's rarely as bad as this. <laughs> so I don't normally we rate the matches that we, that we review. If you guys had mm-hmm. to give this match uh, uh, a rating between obviously zero and five stars, the famous Dave Meltzer five star <laughs> rating, what, what would you guys rate this match? Uh, Eric, you can go first. <laughs> I don't know the sixty nine stars, four hundred four twenty. I don't know. <laughs> I, it, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a like kind of a middle of the road clusterfuck. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to rate. I think because like the first half is, you know, it's a good match and then it just kind of goes nuts, you know. Yeah, the, the back half is yeah, such a clusterfuck. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, I would give it like two and a half, I guess, you know, okay. just because it's, it's, it's one, it's too long. It overstays its welcome for sure. And that's weird coming from me because I'm usually the guy who's asking for longer matches, but this match overstays its welcome quite a bit. Okay. Cause I, don't, um, I, I gave this match a three and five a star. <laughs> five eights, huh? Yes, because of the awesome freebird swerve at the end. Yeah, but and I don't know. I don't think they do enough with the freebird stuff because they just leave. <laughs> right. Like, so they slam his head in the cage and then they're out. You know, yeah, I don't really, know. It, it was impossible to determine what the motivation for that was. Right. Like Hayes tries to make Von Eric win, and then he f- immediately flips, and then they go the other way and go after Carrie Von Eric instead. And I, I just wasn't really sure. I was, wasn't sure what the motivation was for any of that. But um, I don't, there, there is. Um, I did see there's an episode um, where they have the the lumberjack match between the the Freebirds and the Von Eric family, like. 
David and um, Eric and or uh, pardon me, Carrie and uh, what's the other guy's name? Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, that's a that's actually a much better match than this. That's that's really good. Um, yeah, we, mostly because we watched that one, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, we yeah, watched yeah. that one. Yeah. I like I like that match better just because um, Carrie's brothers are both uh, better wrestlers than he is. Yeah, they are. Da- yeah, David is probably my favorite, and I care. I mean, Carrie's got a lot better look, I think, than the other two, and that's probably why he's kind of the chosen one. But the other two are oh. a lot better. I totally forgot about barefoot David. Was it David Von Erich? Barefoot David. Uh, barefoot <laughs> Kevin Von Erich hanging yep. at the end. Yeah. Like, did you not have time to put like socks on or anything for you? <laughs> well, he wrestles barefoot. Does he? I didn't yeah. know. I totally didn't know that. Like Jimmy yeah. Superfly Snuka. Right. Uh huh. It's so weird. And like again, Bill Mercer like poetically trying to justify it. He's like in one of the <laughs> one of the matches that we watch. He's like Kevin wrestles barefoot. Because he feels a more connection with the mat without <laughs> wearing boots. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. That's your reasoning. Well, that's <laughs> wrestling rings are imbued with the spirit of all those who fought on it previously. <laughs> so if you if you wear boots, you sever the connection to that great history. <laughs> yeah. But if you go barefoot, you can kind of tap into the chi of all the wrestlers past and present. Yeah. Excellent. Mercer took over the broadcast after the match. We see some highlights from the match and all that fun stuff. And at the end, Mercer said there's two points on why Kerry didn't walk out as champ. And the two oh. points were Hayes and Gordy. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. Although, I mean, he should have broken. He hit the rope, so whatever. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you could say that, but neither of them called for the glassy eye DQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> they were long gone at that point. I yeah. did. I did. However, I wanted to say, like, when they were leaving, that crowd was like so into it. They were ready to just attack on the Freebirds as they were trying to get out of there. So they got, they at least got the crowd into it on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. So do you guys have any more comments before we take our next commercial break? I don't think so. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, let's take a, another quick commercial break, and for you guys can can check out our sponsors. We we'll be right <laughs> <Sponsors>. back <laughs> after <laughs> these messages. Our sponsors, we'll right back. <laughs> Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Most people have the wrong impression about the World Wrestling Federation. We're a non-violent form of entertainment. Go. We never use sex to enhance our image. As athletes, we understand the importance of being positive role models. We're good at wholesome, family, entertainment. We're trying to make the world a better place for mankind. WWF Attitude. Get it? Come on, you guys. It's only a little. Hungry for a big honey taste. Honeycomb cereal, part of this big complete breakfast. Most people have the right impression about the World Wrestling Federation. We are a violent form of entertainment. 
Yes. We always use sex to enhance our image. You know, as athletes, we couldn't give a monkey's ass about being good role models. We're not wholesome. Family. Entertainment. Trying to make the world a crummy place for mankind. Have a nice day. WWF Attitude. Get it? Set, you leave. Everyone knows that we're coming back. But that's just that's just rock and roll, right? We could have stayed back there longer, but fuck what waste everyone's time. You guys wanna hear some more tunes? Did you have fun tonight? Yeah! Even though there's snow and it's cold outside, you guys are used to it. I'm from fucking Winnipeg. I used to come down here. Okay? Either you're from Winnipeg or you just love Canadian guys. Winnipeg Jets. We used to come here on vacation from Winnipeg. We say, let's go to the let's go to the States for the weekend. We go to Valley Fair. Yeah. Is Valley Fair still there? Yeah. I remember the log flume ride. Yeah. I remember that like, it was the height of technology. You could go into this booth and do a karaoke song and they would record it, give you your own cassette. <laughs> and I went down there with my metal friends. We were wearing our Metallica Justice for All shirts and stuff. And we like, Let's fucking do Paul Abdul straight up, man. Let's fucking Paul Abdul. So, Paul Abdul's a multi trillionaire, but fuck her because I'm here with you guys tonight. Thank you so much. It's still the second time we played in front of you guys, and I guarantee it won't be the last. You guys have been amazing tonight. I'm the Cinder Block Party Tour, but this is the best crowd of the tour so far. Thank you so much. And we're back. Hope you guys enjoyed those sponsors. <laughs> so, I know for the for our podcast, I usually like to do a quick segment called the Pearl Harbor segment. Oh God! Where <laughs> I Pearl Harbor. I don't know about that. What? Well, hear me out. I don't like that as the title. Of the Pearl. Well, it's a working uh, title, working in progress. It's where the Valentine's Day massacre. Yes, this is where I, I guess Pearl Harbor. Question or ask random questions to Beverly, I guess, to both of you guys too on what works and what doesn't work from what we watched on TV. Okay. And so you got a subject for it this time. Yes, okay. I and we we did talk talk about this a little bit, but I want to get all your guys' thoughts on the two referees in the ring. Would that or could that work in professional wrestling? I guess what you guys are watching for what a maneuver, and could that work in 2014? So I think that it 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 inherently doesn't work because part of when you're storytelling with pro wrestling and and that kind of thing you you want the you want the heel to be able to get away with things. And if there are two referees, it is less likely that the heel can get heat because it is harder for him to get away from with something. Yeah. So I think two refs is a bad idea because 
your you, you it, it makes the ref it makes it makes the referees look worse whenever the heel gets away with something and you really generally want to avoid putting heat on a referee and i think you inevitably run into that when you have two when it's like both refs didn't see the heel use this for an object or both refs didn't see the heel you know do xyz Just, it's a bad idea two refs is a bad idea yeah and it's uh, and it's stack and it stacks the card against the heel which I don't right. think you ever want to do, and, right? Right. Well, unless the only way is if you want to, uh, you know, if you're it's one if, of the if you're trying to, right? Yeah. But if you're trying right. to put it, in a, if you're trying to blow off a feud, right? Uh huh. Yep. You know, I get that. Yeah. And you get a special referee, or you get you know something like an that, enforcer. where you get an enforcer okay. or something, where it's but the only in thing, those cases. The one thing that I appreciated in this match was that Hayes was such a total hothead. Like I said, like I, I enjoyed him as the agent of chaos in the match, where he kept losing his cool, and the ref was not distracted by a manager or by. Um, you know, the crowd or whatever that he was continuously distracted by Hayes's antics. Like, yeah. like he, you know what I mean? Like, like I thought that that kind of worked. I just don't think that they quite pulled it off. So I could see like in the proper situation that, that working all right, but you really, you'd have to have a guy. Well, first of all, it would work better in a modern setting just because the ring is bigger. Mm, like yeah. the W the, just the fact that there's a couple extra feet, I think would make a difference. And you'd also have to, you'd have to have a guy that was a lot better at getting the frick out of the way. Um, because having two refs in there makes it really difficult for the workers to do their fricking job and have a wrestling match. But there's a lot of of fricking going on in this podcast. I know I talked to this to Beverly (laughs) beforehand, but I want to get both your guys' thoughts. I wasn't sure what the, uh, the swearing policy was on this. show. Is this a blue show? You guys can swear all (laughs) you want. Okay. (laughs) Um, right. I don't know. I was at first, and then I was trying to rein it in, but I wasn't sure. No, I. I, I just want. I just want to say sorry. One more on that. Like, there's a reason why when there's an extra person, it's usually extra, like uh, enforcer, and they're outside the ring. Right. You know, there's a reason why, like Tyson, like you guys are going to be getting closer to that <laughs> as as you go on here. But there's a reason why he's outside the ring, and then he only comes in when the main ref is knocked out. He isn't yeah. in there the whole time. Yeah, I'm I'm generally against guest referees in any capacity just because they don't know how to they don't know how to do it. Um, The the best the only really good example I can think of in history is when Ken Shamrock was the uh, the guest ref for um, Stone Cold versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. I thought he did a fantastic job. But um, other than that, it just draws too much attention away from the, the stars of the show. Yeah, I got one more question for you guys. I know I asked this to, um, to Beverly beforehand. Uh, I guess I want to ask both you and both you and jo- Joe and Eric about this. Could Bill Mercer be good oh, in WCW or <laughs> WWF in 1997? Uh, I'm gonna have to say no. Yeah, I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> I guess more. I guess Jeez. why? W- would Bill Mercer flop because in 1997? Yeah, he's terrible. I mean, it's one thing. To, it's one. It's one thing. It's one thing to not know the names of the holds and to sometimes seemingly not know the names of the performers. But like, he's just. He's just clumsy. He's just he not borrowed good. some of Carrie Von Eric's horse tricks. Yeah. <laughs> 
he's practically catatonic. He's just out of it for the whole thing. Uh, just think of what a broadcast would be like with Bill Mercer and Dusty Rhodes. Can you can can you imagine? <laughs> I was gonna say, could you imagine? Yeah, Bill Mercer and Dusty Rhodes ca- calling calling a, a six man lucha match. Like, what would that be like? Well, Dusty would just be losing his mind, and Bill Mercer wouldn't know who's out there. <laughs> yeah, seeing as like Mike Tanay has trouble sometimes uh, remembering all the names of the luchas, I can't imagine what it would be like if Bill Mercer was running the show. Or just think what it would be like if Bill Mercer was on WWF TV with Kevin Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) That would be horrible TV right there. So we might as well get into the, I guess, the ending of the podcast. Normally we pick uh, main event status star uh, MVP. The finish. And we talk about a a jobber. And I guess Beverly and I can go first. Uh, For me, my MVP for this match has to be Michael Hayes. Because of how frustrated he got more and more with the match when the guys weren't listening to when he was trying to get them to get them to break when they're in the ropes. Okay. With the whole famous Freebird swerve with the cage door and carry his head at the end, I just had to give my MVP to Michael Hayes for for this episode. Okay, uh, my MVP is Flair. I think he's the reason why any of it's good. And any of it like gets it, even though he's you know he's not involved in the big whatever turn. But I think anything else of the match is because of him. So minus Flair. Uh, yeah, minus Flair, because uh, he's he's t- he's passing the mop test with Kerry Von Erich uh, <laughs> here. So it's it's for me, it's got to be Flair. Uh, mine is the woman in the purple velvet dress. <laughs> yeah, <and> it's <laughs> very obviously. Um, Totally in love with Carrie Von Eric. <laughs> okay, then um, I'll go. Just, just a second, just a second. Yeah. Looking at looking at the fans and stuff has been my favorite thing about doing WCCW because they they use crowd shots more than anyone else. And mm-hmm. uh, my favorite has been this running joke that we've had about this woman. She's got this shirt that says, "I don't get older, I get better." yeah Yeah. i like this just this woman like you could tell that she had been saving this purple velvet dress for just a very special (laughs) occasion which happened to be a wrestling match (laughs) (laughs) yeah on christmas or christmas day purple velvet dress it was pretty fantastic so my jobber for the podcast has to be carrie von eric for Bleeding too much and causing David Manning to stop bleed. the match. Oh, glassy-eyedness. Whatever. Either way, Kerry Ke- Von Erich's my jobber for the night. Uh, mine is, I think this is probably the third third out of the four that we've done where I've named this as the least valuable <laughs> player, but it's Bill Mercer again. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. He has a yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with that. It's It's Bill Mercer. This guy's fucking... He's not good at all. <laughs> like the sleep hold. Is that like his... I think the best is when he doesn't realize that the the figure four gets flipped when they roll over and just keeps calling it as if Ric Flair is in control. I just I, that was that I lost it when he was doing that. Yeah. Um, uh, my jobber is, uh, so there's a kid in the audience that has a giant, like early eighties retainer, like clamped onto his head and he's trying to cheer and scream, but he can't even open his mouth because of this giant hunk of metal that's lodged in his face. 
Um, and he was just he was totally jobbed out to um, <laughs> to early eighties uh, dentistry. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> And before we go into our top five list, actually, we did get one question from, from Twitter for the episode. It's from Dean Stahl at Dean underscore Stahl. And he was, well, I guess him and I were kind of going back and forth, but he was pretty much wondering, was Kerry a real potential candidate for the world title in 1982? Uh, I, th- I think he kind of fits into just this, like, kind of regional, like, contender the same as like how Bob Armstrong would be a contender in Alabama. I don't think he's like a real contender, but you got to have somebody. Oh, okay. I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, the, the crowd in Texas was obviously totally into him, but I, I mean, he would eventually win it, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like several years later. 85, I think. I'm not sure though. Yeah, I think he was actually the last guy to hold that actual the actual belt that we see there um, oh. before they retired that and trotted out the the newer shinier version, the big gold belt as they say. Uh, well, no, it's similar. There's like one in between there, like the oh, big gold. Oh, yeah, one is I know. The, okay. I'm, you know, like it's probably actually it might have been the one that that you saw. It's like it's kind of it's the same style. It's just yeah, like yeah. it's less. Um, it looks more less like it was made in somebody's garage. Yeah. Well, I guess I just don't know if Kerry would have been a good champion on a national scene. No. Yeah, de- definitely not. Uh, whereas, Cause I, well, cause, oh god, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, he he. Then they had a thing. Where I I remember reading in Lawler's book that Kerry was kind of like dumb as a bag of hammers, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he 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 was in that whatever WCWA or whatever the hell it was. Uh, Against Lawler, where it was like they tried to do like uh, AWA, WCCW, USWA, or whatever sort of like team. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, the I'm Super sure. Clash match. Yeah, the Super Clash match. Yeah, and and Lawler's just like he just Von Eric was just not. He was ill-equipped to be the champion <laughs> of a national promotion. Let's put it yeah. that way. Well. well it, it, wasn't one of the key things is that they wouldn't always travel, but they'd send interviews and stuff. So therefore you got yeah. interviews and that's not Carrie's thing. Maybe he could kick the horse tranquilizers for long <laughs> enough to be like <laughs> conscious. His promos in WWE were better. I feel like than you know, the one that we saw here, but still not what you'd call good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and also like the, the since the champ had to travel at the time, it was a lot better for it to be a heel, so that way he could come in and you know draw. What people would try to see their local guy beat him. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. And also, right. he's not that good. But yeah. so yeah, we might as well do our top five list that we that Beverly and I normally do for the podcast. And I thought. What apropos would be to have a top five swerves list because what we saw in this match for the podcast today. So I guess I can start with my what my number five is and is what we saw tonight on the podcast is why I like to call the Freebird Swerve. <laughs> and I don't think we I don't think I could really add much more to what we said, but I just felt like because what happened, this was one of the more famous angles from WCCW. Right on. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that seems fair. Okay. okay. I mean, I don't. I, I, so are we all presenting our lists? Yeah, uh, well, normally we like go, you know, time. take turns on five, go, five, five. going through, so. Okay. What do you guys think, if you're, if you're ready? Oh, I'm I just can... looking. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so, I, I, like, yeah, I made I, a giant list. I wrote, I wrote list. mine down. I, I, I pared mine down. Um, I, so my number five, we're going from five to one. Yes. That's, yep. Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is Paul Bearer hits The Undertaker with The Urn at SummerSlam 96. Nice. That one just missed my cut. Yeah, it, it's just like it was. I, I was watching that when it happened, and I was just. I mean, at that point, Paul Bear had been at the Undertaker for seven years, or yeah. But well, no, that's not true because he wasn't there when Undertaker debuted in '90. But very shortly thereafter, so I mean, six years. You know, he, he was there, and uh, with you know, and and just. You know, uh, to see him turn and and go with mankind was was mind blowing for me. <laughs> yeah, and then he would eventually turn on mankind, and then he would eventually turn on Kane, <laughs> and then yeah, they they get less surprising as it happened over yeah, and oh, over. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Um, yeah, I don't really. I I got a whole giant list. Why don't you guys? Do yours, and then I will fill in with whatever I have left over. Because I, okay. Okay. I made a big list of swerves that I could think of, but I forgot to pare it down to a top five. Okay, that's fine. Okay. No no do you have a number five? My number, my number five is from '08 when uh, Jericho threw Michaels into the Jeritron. Oh shit! Yeah, I totally yep. forgot about that. And I think it's I like it, and the reason why it still rates for me is that. From then to now, I don't think there's really been any big ones, in my opinion, that have meant anything. So I thought, and so that's why I kind of left it on there. It was it was shocking ish. I liked what happened. I thought the angle itself was really good. Okay, well, actually, that's my number four. So because okay. I know I'm a huge Jericho and Michaels fan, and to me it was awesome in 2008 seeing my two favorite wrestlers having another match. And towards the end of the their feud, in know, have it for the World Heavyweight title. Right. Be the number one program on their the flagship show for WWE in, for that year. So, yeah, number that, that would also, that's also my number four. Yeah, actually, I just watched that match not that long ago because uh, I missed, like, all the stuff that happened in 2008. And I was just out of wrestling at that time. And, yeah, that's a, that is an amazing wrestling match for sure. I'm sorry, yeah. I missed that view. Yeah, nope. that dude. The, the w- I'm sorry. Which match in particular were we talking about? Just well, is it the No Mercy ladder the, match? The ladder match. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's one of that's probably my favorite ladder match of all time. And also, yeah. I mean, those two guys yeah, are two of my top fav- five favorite wrestlers of all time. So yeah, Jericho rides that freaking giant ladder f- from yep. the middle of the ring out to the outside. Yeah, it's just yeah. there's some amazing stuff in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Sorry, is that is that no, making no, my that, turn? That was my yep. my number four. So yeah, yep, number so four. Up, so my number four, and I um, I don't know if I'm going to be the only one with an ECW event on my list here, but uh, the revelation that Beulah had been fucking Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> uh, when so she says that so Tom, so um, Stevie Richards is like sort of 
fucking with Beulah and giving her shit, and she's like, like, lay off me, whatever. And she's like, oh, oh, is it because you're Raven's girlfriend? And she's like, no, it's because I'm pregnant. And then uh, Raven, like, loses his shit and, you know, is, like, yelling at her about not taking her birth control or whatever. And then uh, she says, well, whatever, you don't need to worry about it because it's not yours. And then Raven commences to beating the shit out of Stevie Richards. Yeah. Yep, he thought it was and, and she says, no, it's not his either. It's Tommy's. <laughs> and then Tommy Dreamer shows up and fucking cleans house. And wh- what I think is great about that is it's not a huge swerve because Dreamer and Raven were feuding in perpetuity pretty much the entire time they were both in ECW. Uh, they were actually tag team champions at one point after Raven left WCW and came back to uh, ECW for a few months before he could go to WWE. Um, but But they were feuding in perpetuity, and so there was no... There was no swerve that way. It wasn't like, oh, now these guys have to fight each other because they were already fighting each other. But it was that that Beulah, who is in fact Tommy Dreamer's real wife, um, still to this day, as far as I'm yeah, aware, um, I think so. Yeah, and, and you know that the, the betrayal was from the the, the valet, uh, who was sort of the one of the big uh, uh, parts of that whole feud, and then to find out that she was she was shacking up with Tommy behind Raven's back. Um, sort of added a new dimension to that feud, which is, which is pretty great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm disappointed. I didn't put that. Cause that was a good one. Um, my number four is, you know, again, not maybe one of the biggest swerves because sting proves time to time again, that he's one of the dumbest wrestlers <laughs> like of all time. But this is from 90 when the horsemen turn on him. And I just, re- I remember it because, uh, it's got the great, like they're on tuxedos, so it's kind of a lasting image of them in tuxedos, just beating the crap out of him uh, <laughs> in the ring. And uh, yeah, again, it's just uh, Sting proves all the time. Never, I don't know why he keeps trusting people, but that's how it is. <laughs> that's why we like him. Yeah, I wonder. If, I wonder if Triple H is going to turn on Sting. He might. <laughs> I don't know. My number three it, actually deals with Triple H. Is when uh, Triple H turned on Shawn Michaels during the summer of 2002 and Hunter tried to wanted to reform DX with Shawn Michaels <gasps> to set up their match for SummerSlam that year. Because yeah, during that summer was when I actually finally had cable again after about four year absence of not having cable. And you know, like mentioned before, Michaels was my childhood hero from the mid 80s or from the mid 90s. And finally getting cable again, Triple H being one of the top mid-event stars, like, okay, I think I can possibly get in, get in with Triple H and Triple H turning on him and causing them to feud for who knows how many years. I just, I still remember that Monday night when DX, you know, they came out with the DX theme song and shirts on and yeah, I just felt like, felt like that was a cool angle that led to an awesome match at that year's SummerSlam. Yeah, that, and, and yeah, and that was, I mean, Sean's big comeback right yeah. like you know that and that and sean ended up probably having you know the better part of his career is probably from 2002 to 2011 or whenever it was that he retired um you know then then even the previous years in the in the late 90s yeah um and i, I almost put that one too but uh actually my number three is also sean michaels related uh and it is oh man uh, it is Shawn Michaels uh, kicking Marty Jannetty in the face yes! and throwing Barbershop him through the barbershop window. window. <laughs> My all-time favorite wrestling gif. 
This <laughs> <laughs> Marty Janetti being thrown through the window. Yes. And uh, Jesse Ventura saying he tried to escape Michaels by trying to jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> was, didn't Bobby say that? Oh, was it, it might have been. I think yeah. it was Bob. Yeah. yeah, I I do love that line. <laughs> he didn't throw him through. He's trying to run away. <laughs> uh, but just that whole thing, you know, they come out and and he's a little bit of a dick. But you know, Brutus Beefcake is like, you know, you guys are the rock your tag team specialists. You got to be buddies and like all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, they like hug and they raise their, you know, Sean raises Marty's hand and then just fucking kicks him right in the face and picks him up and throws him through the window. And I was watching that when it happened to as a, as a kid. I mean, that was like what, eight or nine years old or whatever, however old mm-hmm. I was when that happened. And like that just, I couldn't believe that he would do that, that he would do such a thing. Uh, you know, and it's, that's, it's so great. To, well, Janetti deserves to be kicked in the face. If you're trying to run away from Michaels and go <laughs> real jump through the uh, play glass. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and, it, and that also set off a really good feud. And it's just a really, one of the biggest shames of, uh, pro wrestling in my view is, is Marty Janetti's uh, personal issues. And he's not the only one, who's had drug problems and that kind of thing. Um, but Marty Jenny was so good. And, and, you know, you get the sense that Sean and Marty could have been like the, the first sort of edge in Christian, um, you know, and both been in the main event picture and, and both, you know, uh, had world title runs and, and had really good feuds at that level as well. And, Marty just couldn't get a grasp on his, uh, you know, and, and it's not that Shawn Michaels didn't also have a drug problem. <laughs> it's just that Marty's was worse and he couldn't get a grasp on it. And when he had that, when he came back for those like two or three matches in like 2004, Four. Yeah. 2005, like yeah. that match he had with Kurt Angle is yeah. fucking fantastic. Awesome. And then the yeah. tag match the next week. With yeah. Yeah. Michael. The Rockers. Reunion. Awesome. Yeah. 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 I know, and it always kills me when people talk about tag teams that are like, oh, who's going to be the Sean and who's going to be the Marty? Well, that wasn't the plan, you know? Yeah. Ideally, they both would have been, you know, stars. So, I, and yeah, we watched, well, what did we watch, Eric, when he came back? And well, won- that would have been one of the earlier Ross from 93, I want to say, from like June or July when Jannetty came out and challenged Michaels for the IC title. Yeah, that was a great match. He I just whenever I whenever he makes like these little comebacks, I'm always like, God, what a missed opportunity. He's good stuff. But they had a whole bunch of matches uh, yeah. for the uh, for the um, new the Intercontinental title, oh. the baby blue title. <laughs> yeah, like they had a, they had a cage match that was like a WWE home video thing. Uh, like Johnny Polo does commentary on it when you uh, if you watch it now. Um, but that's Raven, really fantastic. More. That's right. That's right. That's a really fantastic match. And the, the the just the bit where he first comes back, where you know Sean is standing in front of Sherry, and Sherry's holding the mirror, and Sean oh, is like checking his hair, and Marty comes up behind him, and he sees Marty in the mirror, and and Marty Jannetty's like got such amazing baby face fire, and he goes after Sean, and then he swings the mirror, and Sean pulls Sherry in front of him. Yeah, uh, that's like it's just so great, and it's just a shame that you know they weren't able to to uh, get go further with uh, with that stuff. Right on. So, okay, uh, my number three is the one that's kind of a little before my time, but that I've kind of come to in the looking back, and that's when Terry Funk 
puts Ric Flair through the table with the pile driver at uh, the last Clash show of uh, Flair and Steamboat's three kind of trilogies that matches there in 89. Um, I just love it. I love the the whole thing with Funk coming in and just uh, kind of starting out congratulating him, but just saying that he's going to you know, kind of beat his ass for the title and then putting him through the table. I thought it was awesome. So, and immediately yeah. turning, turning flair too. Mm-hmm. you know, I actually just saw that not long ago. That was a totally a great moment. Wasn't well, that yeah. clash nine? Something like that. Okay. Not sure. My number two we already discussed was an incident at the barbershop window. <laughs> where, uh, yeah, I guess to add a little bit more was I felt like without that incident, I don't think Shawn Michaels would have became who he would become in, in his career. So I feel like that incident helped launch Michaels into single stardom and the icon, the main event, Mr. WrestleMania, that, would, we, would, that we would love. In the f- that, that we love nowadays, so yeah, that's my number two. Yeah, uh, my number two is uh, the end of uh, WrestleMania 17 when Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> turns on the fans and aligns himself with Vince McMahon. Uh, One of Stone Cold's great regrets, he says, is that he didn't immediately stun Vince McMahon after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that, I mean, so what kind of came in, like, I don't like heel Stone Cold a great deal, to be perfectly honest, but that's still a really important, like, my jaw was on the floor, Mm -hmm. you know, when that happened. And I think Stone Cold couldn't just sort of stay the course um, without getting stale, like, You know, I respect what John Cena has done, but John Cena is stale as fuck at this point because he has been literally doing the same thing for like almost a decade. Yeah. You know, I just I just watched um, I just watched the what's the what's the where Cena and um, so we had that free month in the the network and I've just been watching random stuff and I watched um, whatever WrestleMania is where Cena beats JBL. Oh, that would be 21. 21, yeah. 21, So nine yeah. years ago. Yeah, and it's not it's not a very good match. It's a pretty bad match, actually, because, well, I mean... that era, is, Cena and JBL, and JBL is, like, yeah. that sounds... Yeah. yeah, like, JBL had some good matches in that run with Eddie Guerrero, because Eddie fucking Guerrero. But anyway, yeah. um, but they just, they, like, the promo package that led into that match um, was a reminder of how fun and goofy Cena's character was like early on um, in that period, like how creative a lot of the stuff that he was doing was back then. And it just, how much, um, how sort of boring and vanilla a lot of what he does is now compared to that stuff. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, I think they had to shake up stone cold uh, a bit, you know, and do something with him because he, he was definitely in danger of, of getting stale. Mm hmm. And I think that was the that was probably the right time to do it, and eventually, I mean, he would come back around to being a babyface, anyways. So yeah. I just think that the the sort of the fallout of that and going into the the uh, like he he was the bad guy, and then he like he should have stayed on the WWE side in the invasion yeah. and gone full babyface turn because I think that the problem with that and part of the reason that the invasion failed so hard is that. 
<laughs> you made Stone Cold the primary antagonist instead of it being an actual WCW well, I mean, or ECW fair, guy. Was Stone Cold and Shane McMahon? Well, right, right, and and Stephanie, right, Shane yeah. and Stephanie, and yeah, it, it, but yeah, so so rather All than big making WCW it, ECW, guys. <laughs> right, right, yeah. you know, rather than making it, uh, rather than putting down the money for Flair or Sting or whatever, or even just elevating Booker T to that point where Booker T is the primary antagonist, you know, you had to, you had to bring Stone Cold over, and I think that was a mistake. But definitely something needed to be done to freshen him up. At that yeah. point, and I think was, that heel turn is probably a good idea at the moment. It, it was a good character turn because Stone Cold had been fighting against the um, Vince McMahon for so long, um, and like it, like for him to be just obsessed with getting the title back and willing to do anything it took to make that happen, I thought that was like a that was a good way for his character to go. But he should have then immediately turned once he got what he wanted, he should have immediately turned on Vince because I feel like that would have been more true to the stone cold character. Right. You know? Yeah. I have uh, speaking of that, I have an honorable mention that I want to get to maybe, I don't know, maybe before we do number ones, but whatever, whatever you guys want to do, but I had an honorable mention that I just wanted to mention very quickly. Well, if you want, you can just do it now. Okay. Well, so speaking of the, speaking of never like, so there's, I couldn't put it on my actual list because it's so utterly ridiculous because it's early 90s wrestling and early 90s wrestling is the most ridiculous shit in the world. But the whole thing where uh, Jake Roberts was helping the Ultimate Warrior get ready to face <laughs> his fears and face the Undertaker. And then in the last segment, he locks him in a room full of snakes and sets a King Cobra on him and then feeds him to the Undertaker and says, you shouldn't have trusted me. Don't ever. I'm a snake and you don't ever trust a snake. It's just so great. And it's just all like Jake Roberts going full tilt on this ridiculous thing where they're in this like mine, (laughs) (laughs) this room full of snakes for God only knows what reason. And and Jake Roberts just diving into it head first and being Jake Roberts and then just ending it with like Ultimate Warriors like crawling towards out of the room and he's like, he's got king cobra venom running through him and he is about to pass out and he reaches out and grabs the undertaker's foot and the undertaker's just staring down at him and robert says you don't ever trust the snake like it's just yeah. it's such a great swerve of like i'm gonna help you and then it's like no why would you think i would help you i'm a snake like come on man get with it um this is it's totally great but it's totally it's too ridiculous to be one of the actual top five swerves of all time because it's so That's, cartoonish. I'm glad you mentioned it, but I would have mentioned it if you had not. Okay. <laughs> uh, my number two is, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Looking back, it doesn't probably rank with the rest of these, but I think it's importance is uh, with the rest of them. And that's Hogan turning on WCW um, to join the NWO. I just think I, it's what? Well, that, I was going to say, I think you can make an argument yeah. that that's number one. Well, yeah, that's, that's my that's my number I one. I was say that's okay. my number one as well. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's not as fun. It's not as fun because it's Hogan. But oh, come <laughs> on, brother. <laughs> but I mean, but I do. Yeah, it does hold. Like I said, a ton of importance in yeah. history. You know, right? And you guys can jump in since it's both your number ones too. Well, you know, I, all I want to say is my number one's brought to you by the New World Order. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the thing about that is it was so great in the moment because I don't think anybody really expected it. Um, I actually wasn't watching WCW at all at that time, so I wouldn't have known to expect it or not to expect it because um, I didn't give a shit about WCW in 1996. Um, but 
what it did and 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 the fact that it was i mean hulk hogan was a career baby face i mean yes he was a he was a heel in the early early 80s but nobody remembers that you know that you know and certainly in 1996 when the internet was not what it is now and youtube wasn't a thing and wwe network was you know there's no way people didn't have that kind of historic perspective uh on wrestling to think well yeah he was a heel once you know so so just Hogan doing that, and, and it was such a great thing, and it was so hot, and it was, I mean, the problem is, of course, that they just beat the fucking NWO into the ground, you know, <laughs> for years after that, but that doesn't mean that the first six months of it wasn't fucking brilliant, you know, and and uh, especially the the turn, the Hogan turn is the, the keystone to all that. And oh, it's, yeah, the leg drop hurt around the world. Yeah. Yep. Well, cool. Well, since that's both of your number ones, I guess my number one is the Michaels and Janetti. Uh, I just think I just think it's the lasting image, and for all the reasons that we talked about, I really love that scene of yeah him being thrown. Like you said, that's the most gifable moment that we have <laughs> him getting thrown into the um, window there. I I saw that one, you know, at what like four years old, and I still remember watching it. Um, and being shocked by it. So, yeah, that's because the Rockers were, were like my favorite wrestlers because I didn't wa- get the pay-per-views or anything like that. So they were on All-American Wrestling or whatever the most. So I love them. And then when, to see Michael turn on Gennetti was legitimately shocking to me. And uh, so, yeah, that's my number one. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Well, uh, let me... F- fill in a couple well there's there's yeah. three three big ones arguably there's at least two big ones that you guys missed and arguably a third depending on how you choose to uh to view it but um one is um when the the rock mankind match at survivor series 98 oh, after yeah. the big tournament for the belt um where it's like mankind is supposedly fighting for the corporation and then they redo the the montreal screw screw job where rock puts mankind in the sharpshooter and mcmahon calls for the bell and rock turns um into the corporate champion which was arguably his best character the the fifth or sixth ill-advised montreal screw job callback <laughs> <laughs> yeah but this one this one actually worked i think it was the best of those yeah i, I agree much better than uh the wcw Immediate callback at Starcade of '97. I'm, I'm looking forward to covering that. Oh yeah, two weeks, man. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, so there's that one. Um, the other big one is um, where uh, Ric Flair and uh, Nikita Kolov are fighting, and Dusty Rhodes help Flair helps Flair yeah. win, and then Flair and Oli and Arn and Tully Anderson beat the crap out of Dusty and form the Four Horsemen. Um, yeah. That was a huge, huge moment. Yeah. Um, and the other one is argue, like you can argue whether it's a swerve or how you want to categorize it, but just the Montreal screw job itself. Um, yeah, see, I wasn't sure if that's a, if that is a you know yeah. you know a swerve <laughs> or all I had to say is Brett screwed Brett. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, you guys missed other big ones like Ahmed Johnson joining the Nation of Combination for about thirty-five seconds. <laughs> um, Triple H drugging Stephanie McMahon right before her wedding with Test um, and marrying her. Um, Hornswoggle being the uh, the anonymous oh. GM underneath the ring. That also, got- Hornswoggle being Vince's son. I was to say, okay. the, uh, the anonymous Raw GM came back this past Monday. 
Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the the thing about the the Hornswoggle son, I just want to mention. Like, <laughs> I love I love that one, but only for this reason: that Sandman, like he was just playing along with it and each of the things that they said like applied to him. So he like stayed out there and mm-hmm. it was like him Hornswoggle and whatever, Tri- one, like legitimate option or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I just, that's my favorite thing because uh Sandman's still out there at the very end. Um, also the, the finger poke. Oh, <laughs> That is and, not one of the best. Swer- that might be the worst swerve in this. I don't. Arguably, it's either that is either the worst or the the revelation that Vince McMahon was the head of the corporate ministry all along. It's me, Austin. That it's might me be all the along. worst. Yeah, if we've yeah. done a list of the worst, you're you're hitting all the major notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's uh, that's all I had. I wrote down. There's some other ones I had written down, but. Uh, Revolution dumping Randy Orton after Orton beat Benoit for the title. It's kind of a also a notable one, but um, yeah, I did <laughs> the the <laughs> the Vince McMahon head of the corporate ministry one is uh, oh. one of my time favorites. Just because it was really like that whole thing was so incredibly stupid that the only way to finish it properly was with the stupidest possible ending. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Professional wrestling, it's been pretty much the same forever. Mm-hmm. Forever. Yeah. So we might as well get into the plugs then. Uh, how We'll let you guys plug your the Wonderful What a Maneuver podcast and your guys' Twitter and all that. Well, let me sure. introduce my partner, Joe Schilling. <laughs> yeah, so hey, uh, we're, we're Eric and I are both, uh, we are the What a Maneuver weekly wrestling podcast, which is our weekly sojourn into the world of professional wrestling circa 1997. That usually goes up on Mondays. Um, you can check that out at whatamaneuver.org if you like. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at what underscore a underscore maneuver, and you can check out other stuff that we do uh, as part of the onthestick.com podcasting network, all at onthestick.com. There is a 90-minute breakdown of the Kane fake biography journey into darkness coming this monday so oh, excited for that i'm so excited i've been waiting <laughs> oh god uh yeah so, so yeah get get hyped for that yeah we do some other stuff at on the stick.com and the actioncast.com if you like yeah. action movies or video game right. stuff and yeah and actually we also do a weekly wednesday stream uh on twitch.tv it's 10 o'clock eastern time uh, every Wednesday night, that's twitch.tv slash on the stick. Okay, then for us, uh, you can find us out on SoundCloud. Just search out Main Event Status Radio. We're up there. Same with iTunes. Just go to the podcast library, type us out. We're up there. Rate and review both. What a maneuver and Main Event Status Radio. Then you can find us at our website, maineventstatus.com. Also, yeah, we're on Facebook, facebook.com, Main Event Status Radio. Like us there. And Twitter, for me, it's at dirtydogmes. Beverly, how can they find you on Twitter? At Beverly Hills MES. That's where I'm at. Then for uh, Joe and Eric for Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time on Made Event Status Radio. Bye. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, that's fantastic. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen.